Vine Church Podcast. We are focusing this week on adoption, and adoption is a very rich topic spiritually and biblically, theologically, Um, and so we are going to be talking this week about adoption physically and the adoption of children and care for the orphan and those that are on the margins. And so we've got multiple guests sitting here with me today. Why don't we have you guys all introduce yourselves? My name's Kim Nielsen, and yes, I am Zach's wife. I am Alexa, and I live here in Madison with my husband, David. My name is Amira Oser, and I live with my family in Madison, and we're part of Eastside Church. And I'm Christina Oser, and I'm Amira's mom. Awesome. So you, why don't you guys, let's do another lap. Tell us all why you're here. Um, I'm here um, because I was adopted from Russia. Um, so I figured I'd share a little bit as we get into the podcast about that. Great. Um, Zach and I have four children, and so we have our oldest three are biological children, and then we adopted our youngest, Maya, um, domestically. And I am here because I have um, been a parent um, biologically through adoption and through foster care. Um, Amira is my daughter through adoption. Yeah, I was adopted from Ethiopia. Awesome. So one of the things that's really exciting is um, for me is, and this was an idea, I think, from somebody on staff, or maybe it was Katie Newton, I think it was her idea. Um, I've interviewed people who have adopted as parents before, but we've never had someone who has been adopted. And so having Alexa and Amira here, um, it's a really joy to have you guys here and to share your perspective as those who have been adopted. Um, But why don't we start with, Kim and Christina as adoptive mothers, um, maybe in two minutes, just share why um, you guys decided to pursue adoption. I guess I'll start. Um, So Zach and I, when we first got married, we kind of even talked probably more flippantly about adoption, talked about having a couple children, and then um, we were just part around people who had or were adopting. And so that um, was just kind of interesting to us. Um, And then um, after we had our first two, we were part of a church that was doing um, orphan care in Moldova. And I went on a trip. And that for me just solidified um, both the need and then just our heart for um, orphans. And it was just something that we wanted to be part of. And so um, started pursuing that actually when we were even pregnant with our third child. Um, 
And for us, it was, um, again, just felt like it was a way to care for marginalized, but it was also um, a way to physically represent what kind of a, a theological and spiritual um, reality of us being adopted in God's um, family. And so it's just a, all of that kind of came and coalesced together in physical adoption. Uh, my husband and I, when we were in college, had a professor who uh, had a child from every continent except for Antarctica. And we just thought his colorful family was just so beautiful, and we were in awe of that. So we talked, even when we were dating, about um, having two of our own biological children to kind of replace ourselves ecologically, and then um, to finish filling our home through um, through adoption to be able to um, care for so many children in our world who have um, the need for a family and don't have one. Yeah, I, I resonate deeply with um, the biblical call to care for the widow and the orphan. And um, I've always interpreted that as uh, those who are on the margins. And the, from the, when, the, when the Bible was written, um, those that most on the margins was someone who didn't have a, a woman who didn't have a husband um, and also a child that didn't have parents. They didn't have social care structures like we have today. And so one of the things we talk about a lot, and Kim and I have actually talked about this a lot with people that are considering adoption, is adoption isn't necessarily commanded biblically, um, but it's a great way, it is a way, not the way, it is a way to advocate for those on the margins. And it's hard to be harder to be more on the margins than to not have parents. And um, and so we just really encourage people to think about, you know, maybe the question isn't um, why should we? Maybe the question should be why not? And there may be good answers why not. You know, we don't believe that everybody should adopt um, physically into their families, um, but. I think everybody should ask the question, how are we um, advocating for those on the margins? How are we advocating for the widow and the orphan? Um, and we can think about that maybe a little more broadly as those on the margins. So um, I think it's really good just to start with that perspective. Um, I would love to hear uh, from Alexa and Amira, just share a little bit of your story, um, like how you, how you, um, became adopted into your family that you have right now? Uh, so my brother and I were one and a half and two um, in the same orphanage, uh, separate families. Um, but we were, we were adopted. Um, um, at that age of two, um, and yeah. Yeah, that's good. How about you, Amira? Okay. Um, my mother, my birth mother was 15 when she had me. Um, and she was living on the street at that point in the capital of Ethiopia. Um, and there are a couple of missionaries that my grandfather knows who live in the, the same city who knew my birth mom. So when my parents, my adoptive parents were looking for a child to adopt, um, 
my grandfather told them about me and showed them some pictures of my birth mom and I um, and said, oh, I know this girl that has a baby that needs to be adopted, um, who like she can't take care of her child. So that is how I became adopted. Yeah, that's beautiful. That's beautiful. I'd love to ask you guys, um, Alexa and Amira, have there been any challenges that you guys have had to work through um, not biologically being, um, not coming from, you know, uh, how do I say this? How to, being a part of a household, not biologically, being a part of the household and coming, coming into your family, but not through biological means. Has that created any challenges or issues that you've had to work through? And this is a part one of a part two question. Yeah, I think uh, for me, it would just be the dynamic of having a family. Um, just with that, like the freshness, the newness, um, which I think can come with any family. Um, but my parents did a really good job of embracing my brother and I and making sure um, that we knew that we were loved. Yeah, same. Um I feel like there can always be that question of like, if I'm not biologically related, can my parents love me, you know, the same amount as they love their kids who are biologically related because they're so like similar to them and they came from them. Um, and so those are questions that I think, if not all, but many adopted kids have asked themselves or wrestle through. Um, but my parents did, it a one, did a wonderful job of just providing that love and like through both their words and their actions just showing how much they loved and cared about me and um, eventually my foster siblings um, just showing that they did have enough love for all of us equally so yeah yeah you guys already answered my part two question which was <laughs> you know how did your parents um, address some of those challenges and it sounds like um, they did a great job I'd love to hear Kim and, and Christina, you guys address that as well of, of just like, um, sometimes Kim and I have heard, and maybe you, you and Steve have heard as well, Christina, from those that we're talking to that are considering adoption, that question of, can I love my adopted child the same? Like there's that fear in their heart. Um, how would you guys respond to that? Um, so there, there definitely are like differences in the way that like our our biological kids are are very much like us. Um, they they come from the same stuff as us, right? And so um, there are in some ways um, it can be easier to love them just because they're similar. You mean like the default settings of their personality? You relate to that. Is that kind of what you mean? Yeah. Yeah. Because like they think like we do. They yeah. like genetically they're made up of the same stuff, right? right? Like they have the same tendencies and struggles and um, and we, we understand and relate to that. Um, whereas our adoptive children um, and our foster children, um, they, they come from different genetic makeup. Right. And so there are times when we kind of look at each other and think, what are they thinking? Like, it, it doesn't always make sense. Right. right. Which can be 
present challenges in regard to the way that we feel about them, right? And so there are times when it is more difficult to choose to love. Um, Ultimately, love is a choice, and we see that even in the way that, like, God the Father chooses to love us, right? And so I think the um, adoption has really opened our eyes to what the Father's love is like um, in just whole new ways. The adoption process and then foster care added a whole new dynamic even to that where they they weren't legally ours, um, and yet we still were were called to to care for them and to love them. And so, um, you know, there's um, been just different levels of understanding God's love for us um, to the, you know, when when we... um, even at times when we have rejected him, you know, and he still chooses to pursue us and to love us. Um, And so it's really opened our eyes to, to understand God's love in a whole new way. Um, And that has then helped us to be able to make that choice to love, even when um, there have been times when it's been challenging. Yeah, I would agree with a lot of that. I think, I think the word same is a challenging word because, um, you know, the amount of love for that, that I have for each of my kids, biological or adoptive is I like, I feel like I love them this, the same in that sense, but how I love them and what that does in my heart and the challenges that it has and the like that's different for all of my children, not just are they adopted or biological. Um, I relate to each of them a little different and there's things that are challenging about my biological children as well. Um, that being said, I agree with Christina that for us, like even if your biological children aren't like you or in a certain way, there are people in our family, like my, my oldest is a lot like my dad. And so there's things that he does and we're like, oh, that's total Papa, you know, Um, and we don't have that with Maya. Like you can't look to someone else and be like, oh, this is why it's like that or this is where this could head. And I think for us, that's been the most challenging has been, I don't know where this is going or I don't know what this personality or thought pattern or whatever could end up looking like. Um, and so I think that there's just a fear that we've had to take captive and, and just realize I, I don't know what it looks like, but God does. And God placed her in her family and placed, like you said, I'm going to choose love. I'm going to walk forward. And, um, and I do know that this sometimes, right. There's, there's obviously this happens in all sorts of families, um, where a child, you were like, I, where's this heading or I don't understand you or, um, and so I think it just, there's a level kind of an added, a heightened level of that with the adoption process where it's like a, it's an unknown and that can be scary. And, And I would say like if the, the fear of adoptive kids being quote different than my genetic makeup is the the defeating mentality for you considering adoption and actually going through with it. I, I don't think that's healthy because 
here's the deal. Your kids, like Christina, like your boys, I see because I know them and I know you and Steve are very much like you and Steve. Mm -hmm. But I know other families where their kids are not at all like their parents. (laughs) Like, like, and even like my oldest son, Taylor, and I are very different. And um, sometimes I'm like, dude, I, I just don't understand how you're thinking about this. You know, like I don't get you at all. And, and so there's just no guarantee with any of your kids, biological or adopted, that they're going to be like you. And, and parenting is challenging no matter what approach you take. Go ahead. I would just say, too, that this, that's part of the beauty of it is that there is an unlikeness and there's God brings like a different flavor into your family. And for us, that's been what's really beautiful. It's grown us a ton, but it's also brought a lot of joy and um, uniqueness into our family. And I think that that's a picture of the body of Christ, too. Yeah, for sure. We've experienced that a lot because Amira is our token extrovert. And so she's brought our family into so many beautiful relationships that we would not otherwise have had um, because she's the one who's going out and pursuing those relationships and bringing them in. And um, there, there have been times when we've been brave enough to take her along with us to go talk to somebody because she no 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 that's not how it goes there have been times where my dad has literally said amira can you go start talking to that those people over there and so i'll go introduce myself and then i'll be like oh yeah that's my family over there and then they'll come walking they're scared to talk to you but if you talk first (laughs) then they'll come over yes that's that's literally how it is (laughs) true well that's good that's good I think it also is like the every tongue tribe nation. Um, like, you know, both of us have done transracial adoption too. And it depends on there's different ado- kinds of adoptions. But um, that's been really beautiful for us is like I've had to learn just pieces of different culture. And that's been really helpful and beautiful um, as well. We, we've had foster kids um, who were Hispanic. And so when we, when we would go places um, with our, our Caucasian boys, our black daughter, and our Hispanic foster children, um, people would just think we were on a field trip. <laughs> yeah. Do you run a daycare? <laughs> we used to get that. Yeah, we would get that question. Are, they're all yours? Oh, my gosh. What's wrong with you? Yeah. What about, um, let's, let's do a, just a little sidebar on um, adoptive family sensitivity. Mm. Like, like because here's what I'm thinking. This is just good coaching for anybody. Like, we've heard people say to Kim in the grocery store, so um, what, what is, is something about yours? Like, it's like. Uh, well, are they all yours? Are they all yours? Meaning like. And I, no, it's I, different than that. there's also been, um, we haven't had a ton of insensitive. We've had other families that we've known that have had really insensitive comments. Um, no, I think it was like this where, where like they'll say, Oh, you have four kids. How many of them are yours? Oh, yeah. How many are yours? Meaning well, like all of them are mine. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know, um, but. Yeah, we had we actually had a, a neighbor when we live. What they called the police on dad. That was at a park. 
in Chicago. I remember no, your dad somebody, told me that story. Somebody came to oh. our door. Someone, so, so I was in the mic. Okay. So um, there was a neighbor who my dad and I were at home and um, like, I, I don't remember, like we had driven home and then we walked inside and I went to take a nap and I was woken up by um, someone banging on our door yelling, um, it's the police. And my dad opened the door and I came downstairs and they're like, um, is this daughter, or is this girl yours? And like, m- we had this extended conversation with the police because the neighbors had called the police on us. They thought it was like a trafficking they situation or something. They thought that I was not my dad's yeah. daughter. Yeah. That's really. Yeah. That, that happened was, a that few, scary. that happened a few times at a park too, especially when we foster the, the Hispanic foster kids, yeah. um, that, you know, people would wonder why this big white man had a black girl and two Hispanic kids right. Um, and you know they would the the police would come and just check it out and yeah. make sure that it was kosher. It's really hard for you guys, and it's a tragedy of the world we live in. Yeah, you know. Yeah, I mean, sometimes ours was more of like just looking and like circling, and you're like, I I know they're trying to figure us out, um, which is some of that is fine. Um, I think too, just one of the things that you know, even for me, like I've had to be be careful of is um, like our biological daughter looks a lot like me or like just how much are you saying like oh you're so much like your mom oh you're so much like your mom or you look so much like your mom Um, I think that can isolate the other child Um, my girls don't really care (laughs) it doesn't seem to bother them but we try to be careful of that or like oh you're like me in this way like to still, even though obviously Maya doesn't look anything like me, there are things that she's picked up. And so to to note that and not just note the physical attributes. Yeah, like one time I did this even, and I'm, I should have known better because I'm an adoptive dad. Like I walked into the house and I said to the oldest daughter of my friend, oh, in the, in the presence of their other adopted daughter, from also from Ethiopia, um, I said to this oldest daughter, oh, you look exactly like your dad. And he looked at me and just kind of rolled his eyes like, come on, dude, you know better than that. You know, because that could just be hurtful, potentially. And and I don't think his daughter cared that much, but it's just kind of like one of those things where you wouldn't even think of it unless you've been an adopted parent. But that can be potentially um, hurtful for those that um, are adopted and have a different genetic makeup. But let me, let me change the topic. Um, Alexa... Do you think about your biological family much? Is that is that an area of curiosity for you that you would have pursued or would like to pursue in the future? Um, yeah, actually, uh, my parents, when I was adopted, uh, they were able to gather information on my biological siblings. Um, and we have information on them um, obviously from years ago. Um, but I always wonder down the road if I, I don't know, just run into them or find them on social media, which, um, at this point, because communication was cut off, um, I thinking that could be kind of impossible. Um, but yeah, the thought is always there that maybe I could visit them. <laughs> yeah. And is that something that would be exciting to you if that possibility came about? It would be exciting. Um, yeah, yes, it would. So speak to that 
and this will probably bridge to you guys sharing a little bit about what you recently experienced, but like, I know that some adoptive parents or potentially adoptive parents might hear that and be like, is she gonna fall in, fall in love with her biological mom and dad and like not want to be with us anymore and um, speak to that like thought or fear of like someone like Kim and I. That's a big question. Um, <laughs> um, I think you could always like hope and wish for it, but because you've been given this new family, you kind of have to choose to embrace um, a new, I'm not really sure what I'm trying to say. That's okay. <laughs> I have a thought, and this, again, from ex from an experience, um, the woman who discipled me didn't have children at that time of her own, um, and I have I have a stepmom and a mom, and so it's like there. I think it was so for a while. I gave them all Mother's Day gifts, and I would like celebrate them all as kind of my mother's. Obviously. Tracy, the woman that discipled me in a different way, but she was still huge, like just hugely impacted me, um, during my teens and twenties. And so, um, she was a spiritual mother to me. And, and I think that that like now as an adoptive mom, that's important to remember that there's, there's room in our hearts for more than just you know, one or two people. Like I love both my mom and my stepmom deeply. Um, I also had room to love, you know, this woman who kind of adopted me in a sense into her family for a season. Um, and so I think that that's important for me to remember as I think forward to, you know, the possibility of being introduced to, you know, Maya's biological family at some point or, you know, would that happen? Um, I think it will be, again, just kind of knowing um, I'm secure in who we are as um, who God has called us to be in, in my child's life. But there's also room for for other people um, to, to do similar roles too. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I would imagine Alexa, like you feel like your parents are your parents, like you've never, you've never known any difference and it's not like you're just going to ditch them because you've met somebody else. Um, you know what I mean? Who, who biologically is connected to you, but there's no relationship. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's like you can have an addition without a replacement. Yeah. Very well said. Just like us as parents always have room in our hearts for another child, mm -hmm. as many as God chooses to give us. Yeah, amen. So Christina and Amira, you guys recently took a trip. Tell us about that trip and uh, what was significant about it. So um, in February, my parents and I and my grandparents um, went to Ethiopia for it was my first time going since I'd been adopted um so we spent two weeks there um touring the country learning about my culture but also um we had the opportunity to meet my I had the opportunity to meet my biological mom and my little half brother for the first time um and that was just a sweet 
that was an amazing time. Um, we met them the second day we were there, and then we saw them again the last day that we were there. So what did that do to you emotionally? <laughs> bring us into that. Yeah, so I we had been like touring the city before the first time we met her. So we had just gotten back to the hotel, and I was like in the bathroom when my grandmother walked into the bathroom, and she's like, um, so your mom is here. I was like 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 Hyatt like my biological mom and she said yeah and I just like I got so nervous my legs were shaking I my heart was racing um and then I walked into the room and she was sitting at the table with my grandfather and my grandfather told her oh that that that's your daughter and she just looked up at me and like for like 15 seconds was just staring at me and then just started to cry um and then she jumps up and gave me like a huge hug and we just stood there and cried for like a minute (laughs) um yeah it was really really emotional but at the same time I could just like feel all the love that she had had for me over the last years that she hadn't been able to give to me um like it was clear that she still had that and I was deeply grateful for my grandparents for setting up the meeting for me this year what was that like for you as a as a mom Christina to just be a part of all that Mm. Um, it was really sweet to be able to see the two of them interacting Um, we we've talked about this moment for a long time and um, so to be able to see it be a reality and I I knew how meaningful that would continue to be in Amira's life to have been able to have met Hyatt and um, interacted some with her. So, um, and then you know to have her little brother thrown in as a bonus that was even sweeter because children don't need language to be able to communicate, and so um, Amira was able to connect with him on it, you know, on a different level even than, um, than she did with Hyatt. But that was just a really, really sweet, um, sweet thing to see, see them be able to meet and, and to be able to see how, how much they look alike. I mean, Amira is a spitting image of her birth mom. And so, um, it was kind of fun to be able to get those pictures of the two of them and, um, just to be able to see, uh, see that like biological piece there for her. This is kind of a tangent, but I'd love to ask you, Amira, when you were in Ethiopia, what was it like for you to know that you were in the majority and your parents were the minority? So here you're a minority, there you're a majority, and yeah. every, a lot of people look like you do. What did, did that do anything to your heart or did that impact you in specific ways? It did. It was, it was, really, it was really interesting. Um, in a sense, I was almost like, a weird hybrid because like I looked like everyone and so they would come up and be so excited to talk to me because I'm hanging out with a bunch of white people and that's like always exciting so they want to hear all about it from me and then they'd find out that I couldn't speak the language and he had this weird accent and then, <laughs> yeah. and then they would ask our translator like is she is she Ethiopian because she looks just like me but she can't speak our language and he'd be like yeah she's she's Ethiopian she was just adopted and lives in America and it was it was so funny, um, but yeah, it was crazy to just like look around and for me to be, it was it was a weird feeling. It felt almost like when we left, 
I felt a little twinge of like homesickness in a sense, just like, oh, I'm leaving the place where like I was born. Like, this is my culture. This is where I'm from. And it was a little sad to leave that. Um, I mean, America is still my home and I was happy to be here, but there was definitely that, like that feeling. Yeah, I could just see like, how that would be like a both and of like, yeah. these are my people, but they're not my people. Right. All yes. at the same time. Yeah. They had a box for white foreigners but they didn't necessarily have a box for an Ethiopian girl who clearly belonged more with the white foreigners than she did with the people who looked like her. Right. So that was, that was a, an interesting conundrum for Amira. Yep. Yep. That's good. Yeah. Alexa and Amira, um, let's switch courses r- real quick. Um, can you guys name other things that your parents um, did that you just really appreciated um, as an adoptive child, did anything come to mind? Um, for my brother and I, it was, they accepted us for who we were. Um, we were fresh toddlers for them. So they, they met at us, they met us at our level, um, as we were their family. Um, and they adjusted to life with toddlers. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yeah, that's good. Um, there are a lot of things, <laughs> but um, like Alexa said, one just accepting and loving me. Um, there was a time when we had foster kids who this was our second pair, so they were white, they were Caucasian, like my brothers, and so um, the little boy was just. He was deeply insecure and hurt, and he found it really easy to take uh, take that out on me. And so there were times where I would just like I would just feel so awful because of some of the things he said about me, Um, some things about my skin color not fitting in with the family. And while I knew intellectually that that wasn't true, um, because my parents had shown me over and over again that that wasn't true, there was still that like sense of like his words hurt because I, I am different than the rest of my family. And so my parents just worked through that with me and they continually like just came back to, we love you. We love you. The truth is that we love you. And, 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 um, just keep telling yourself that until you truly believe it. And like, you feel that. So one of the biggest things is just that, um, showing me God's love through their love. And the second thing is not giving up on me. Um, I was definitely one of their hardest kids. I, like they said, I'm very different than them. Um, I'm very independent and bold, and I was not an easy child. Um, and so, <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, but they just, I remember when I, you said that when I was 10, they were like, we, like, kind of like what you said, Mrs. Nielsen, like, where is this going? Like, where am I headed? Um, where is she headed? And, Yet they didn't give up on me. They continued to to pursue me kind of like God pursues us. And um, yeah, they did not give up. And I am forever grateful for that. So, Yeah, well said. Christina and Kim, what, what advice would you give to families that are currently considering adoption? Pray. <laughs> that's the first thing that came to my mind um I liked what you said um just earlier like 
I think it's not that everyone should adapt, but I think it's really good like for all of us to, to ask, how is God calling me to be involved? And, um, you know, we thought we would, well, I thought we would adopt again after Maya and, um, just God had different plans and we've been able to be involved in other ways. Um, that's been really beautiful. And, and so I think not doing it out of, um, like I, I have to, but I get to participate in this. Um, and having it be a privilege that you're involved, not, a I have to, or, or I'm doing this. So I'm like a, a special, you know, super elite Christian. super Christian yeah. or something. Um, it, it's not that, but I do think it's a beautiful picture of participating in God's heart. Um, and also one of his beautiful pictures, um, of, of adopting us, And so I think the only way to discern that is to pray about it. Um, I think you have to be united um, with your spouse, obviously, as in any big decision. Um, But you both have to be fully on board. If you have other children, I think bringing them along in the process as well, not that they get to make the decision, but they're part of it, um, and especially depending on their ages. And then I think just a community, what community do you have around you that can help you think through it, help you support you, um, in that financially, emotionally, spiritually, um, we, it's definitely taken, um, an extended community to raise all of our children, but especially in that adoption process. Um, and I think, you know, it's easy to get caught in all the details. I remember even like we started with an international adoption and then um, found out about my ad, moved to domestic. And, um, you know, people have just weird opinions <laughs> about what you should be doing. Um, and so I think um, not getting ca- caught up in all the details, but just trusting in, in the path that God has for you. Yeah, I would agree with everything that Kim just said. Um, it adoption is is hard, um, and and I I don't ever minimize that when I talk with people. Um, there are unique challenges to it, and yet um, without um, having um, that having been a part of our story, like we have grown so much. Um, in our understanding of who God is and his character and his love for us. And and our children, all of them would say the same in regard to like the foster care that we did. Um, all of them have learned how to love in a whole new way um, because we've brought children into our home. Um, you know, we, we didn't think we were done after Amira either. We thought we were going to adopt another another child or two. And um, we brought two different foster siblings, sibling sets into our home thinking that we would love to adopt again. And um, that just, that didn't pan out. Um, and that's fine. But that experience in and of itself had changed us um, for the better and, um, and, all of our kids will say um, that they're thankful for having had that experience. And um, it, it brought us closer together as a family. Um, I, I would definitely second what Kim said about making sure that you're on the same page and making sure that your marriage is strong enough to be sure that you're unified because um, kids will try to worm their way in between, right? And like, Ad- adoption and foster care is something that can 
bring you closer together as a couple or it can tear you apart. And you have to have that ground solid before you start the process. Um, that's really, really essential because I've seen adoption tear families apart. Yep. Um, and so making sure that, um, you know, you're, you're solid in regard to your relationship with God and who you know um, he says you are. And then in regard to your marriage before you um, start that process that, um, that, the two of you are on the same page and able to to just lean into each other in regard to the difficulties that come along. Um, and then, you know, even um, just revisiting with each of your children kind of what that adoption means and 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 the challenges that come that inevitably will come along. Like we had um, after our first sibling pair, we took a took a year off before we were willing to dive into another um foster care situation because there was some healing that needed to happen in our family and we recognized that once they left we needed to work on some dynamics in our family um and and just work on some healing there before we were ready to to do it again Mm -hmm. so um you know definitely um sensing kind of where you're at as a family and pulling in help you know with um with the second set of siblings that were in our home for two and a half years we had to bring in therapists Yep. Um, to, to help us process through some things that were really, really hard. Yep. Um, and, uh, you know, with, without that outside help, um, it could have torn our family apart, right. you know. Right. But, um, but we, we had the resources to be able to, to pull in some of those extra things. So um, just being, being open and, and like keeping an open perspective on kind of what's going on and being willing to, to pull in help when you need it. Yeah, that's really good. One thing that uh, just as you were talking, I thought of when you start the adoption process, you know, you have to go through all these different um, courses and, you know, what could happen? Um, what does detachment syndrome look like? What are all these different things? And and, it, and it's really good. Um, it can show you all the dark sides. And so I think just also like it's important to know that, but not not have that hold you back because of fear. Like it shouldn't be fear that holds you back because again, there's no guarantees about biological children or anything. Um, and so I think just again, where's my trust? Um, and then even what Amira, you were saying, it sounds like your, your mom and your dad really kind of went back to, okay, what is true? And so just being willing to like go back to, okay, what is true? What is true? What is true? And so again, I think like anything, it can, your mind can kind of hold on to certain things, um, and let that kind of spiral you down. So that would be the other thing in the process. Yeah. I just wanted to, um, underscore what you just said, Kim. And I think if if the fear of bringing some different genetic makeup into your household is the thing holding you back, it's just, it's an irrational fear because your biological kids can be just as crazy as any foreign genetic makeup can be. You know what I mean? And I've seen that over and over again. So if you're scared to adopt because of that issue, you probably shouldn't have kids at all. And then that's a whole different issue. Like, um, because it's, that's probably a fear thing that's overtaken you. Um, and the Lord says that having kids is a really good thing. Um, and so we need to unpack and deconstruct the fear issue if that's the dominant thing. Um, just a couple of final comments real practically. Like 
if you're thinking about adoption, um, two things that I would recommend. One is addressing another fear and one is just a recommendation. Um, vet your agency really well. Your agency can make or break a lot of times your experience. Um, there's a lot of details involved. And um, so there's lots of different agencies out there. And um, so vet your agency really well. Um, tragically, there is um, trafficking that happens in the adoption world. Um, and I know agencies are really trying to you know, purge that from any work that they would do. But um, a culture of poverty around lots of countries in the world um, feeds um, a trafficking of kids being sold. Um, and adoptive parents have no idea. And that happens a lot in our world, tragically. So you want to have an agency that's, that's really got their eye on something like that and other things. And then the final thing I would say is most people just feel like they just can't afford it. And I just want to encourage anybody considering adoption, and it's a $40,000 price tag or whatever because of all the lawyers and administrative fees and paperwork, whatever it is. It might be 40, it might be 30, it might be 20, who knows. But in our experience, Kim and I, and also the people we've observed, um, it's the easiest money you'll ever raise. All you have to do is ask. You know, you just have to have the courage to ask, really. Because, you know, it's like, you want to adopt a special needs baby from China? That's some friends of ours. It's like, heck yes, I'll give you 500 bucks for that. Like, like, yeah, of course. Like, this is a kid that needs a parents, you know? Um, and so, I, I just, if God has, has um, put that desire on your heart, um, we know he has a heart for the marginalized, for the orphan. And so he will provide. Can I add, like, I think when I think of adoption, it's like, it's just a story of redemption, right? And um, it's all of our story. And we, we say at our home, like, we've been adopted once. Um, we hope that our, you know, Maya's adopted twice, physically and spiritually. And so, um, but I think there's all these pieces of what... Uh, beauty in, that comes, um, there's pain and there's suffering, um, obviously in darkness, but there's this beauty too. And I think the finances is just one piece of that where it does take, oftentimes it takes, um, those outside of the, f the family to be part of it. And in our experience, um, both in receiving and giving, um, that's really beautiful. And it's, um, it's a, this redemptive process that you get to take part of, even if you're not the family doing the adopting. I feel like in a way, like the financial thing is a way for people who don't necessarily um, want to actually adopt yet. They can still like it's a way for them to like Pastor Zach was saying, help the marginalized, right? Like, Be on the team. Preach exactly. that, sister. Preach it. That's a really good insight, Amira. Well, you guys, um, thank you so much, Kim, Alexa, Amira, Christina. Thank you guys so much for coming and sharing your experience and uh, your advice. And so I think there's going to be a lot of families at The Vine that really appreciate this. And ho hopefully God will, um, maybe through this conversation, allow some orphans to have a forever family. 